I'm Julie Rose, and this is Top of Mind. I have been a radio journalist for two decades, but a few years ago, I found myself avoiding the news for long stretches because of how depressing and divisive it all seems. I still wanted to be informed and engaged on important issues, though, and I figured I couldn't be alone in that. So we created this podcast. Each week, we tackle one tough topic in a way that will challenge you, help you feel more empathy, and empower you to become a better citizen, a kinder neighbor, and a more effective advocate. We are back this week with another installment in our series, Stick With It, where we talk with people about a time when they felt their own perspective challenged and had the urge, like we often do, to get defensive or back away. But instead, they opted to stick with that discomfort, and they're glad they did. To share your Stick With It story, email topofmind at byu.edu. We'd love to hear from you. And right now I'm joined by certified life coach Jody Moore. She's author of Better Than Happy and host of the Better Than Happy podcast. Jody, thank you so much for taking time. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Julie. Well, let's dive into your story. What's the background information we need to know? I think that I want to just begin with explaining that life coaching sounds strange. Most people don't know what that means. I didn't know what that meant until I found it. But when I went through coach training nine years ago, um, I was trained by the life coach school, which is not affiliated with any religion or anything. It's very inclusive um, place, but um, it was uh, um, some might describe it as a somewhat irreverent experience. I mean, there's a lot of language, a lot of um, different value systems brought to that program. And yet as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is a, a conservative Christian faith, it was still a very spiritual experience to me. I um, just found so many connections all throughout that course to the things I was learning about mindfulness and emotions and thought work and the doctrine of the religion that I had been raised in and loved. And so I right away ran with that and built a coaching practice, trying to support others who had similar values or were also members of the LDS faith and um, had amazing success doing that and had the opportunity to help a lot of people who continue to write me telling me how the tools of understanding their mind and how to choose emotions and how to choose thoughts and all that has helped their marriages, helped their families. It's just been a really profound experience. That said, um, when you build a business like the one I have, which is a personal brand business, right? I'm sort of the face of my business. Um, it feels very vulnerable because you're constantly putting yourself out there and there's the fear that you don't want to offend anybody, right? Or you don't want to say something that would be incorrect. And nowadays, Julie, I don't know if you've heard about cancel culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's this fear even of being canceled now, right? Which yeah. is basically if if somebody, if you say the wrong thing or you upset enough people, everyone will turn against you and it can shut you down. And so I've been pretty fortunate to um, not get a lot of of kickback or hate. Cause I mean, the truth is, and you know, you know, this, Julie, you're a, a public figure as well, that odds are somebody at some point, isn't going to like everything that you have to say. That's just part of the deal. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I feel like I've been pretty fortunate. Um, I love to 
the quote from Theodore Roosevelt um, that Brene Brown talks about in Daring Greatly. Do you mind if I share it here? Sure, go ahead. He says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who, and I'll just add, or woman, (laughs) who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end, the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Hmm. So hmm. that quote brings me a lot of peace. And and again, Brene Brown refers to it a lot because it, it it's sort of the way I interpret it anyway, is um, the people who are sitting on the sidelines watching are going to have strong opinions, but they're not in the arena. They're not trying, they're not playing the game. And so their opinions are, not completely irrelevant, but it, it's the ones out there playing the game that matter. Mm. I feel like this is building to a big dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that that has always been how I felt about it. That of course I don't want to offend anyone, but I just understand that you know people are coming from wherever they are. Well, about a year and a half ago. Um, I released my book that you mentioned better than happy. I, I worked with the, I published it through faith matters. And so now it was time to promote this book and my publishers had a particular, um, person in mind who has a, a pretty big platform within the LDS community and a great reputation. And, um, he said, I'm going to reach out and see if she would be willing to interview you. I said, that sounds great. I didn't know this person at all. And he came back to me and said, you know what? She said, no, she doesn't want to have you on her show. And I was like, what? (laughs) Hmm. Because not that I never get told no, I do get told no, but this person was a perfect fit for what I do. And, um, the truth is my platform's a little bit bigger than hers. So normally in that situation, she would be excited to have me on because it would help me, but it would also help her grow her following. And so I was just really taken back by it. And, um, my publisher said, if it's okay with you, I'm going to call and have a conversation with her. Cause I just want to understand more. Like she just doesn't really agree with what you do with your work. And I want to call her and understand more. And I was like, of course. And so, um, he did. And he, called me up then one day. I still remember being on the phone with him. I had my AirPods in and I was packing and on my way to the airport to go teach a group of entrepreneurs who I have a coaching program where I help entrepreneurs. So I was on the way to this mastermind meeting where I was going to be meeting with this new group. I'd never worked with them before. We were just starting. We were going to spend a year together. And, um, as I'm on the phone packing and and driving to the airport, he tells me that this woman's sister uh, started following me, started learning from me, implementing what I taught and loved it so much that she went through the same coach training I did and then chose to leave the church. And so this woman felt that the things that I taught were leading people 
especially specifically her sister away from the church and that they were harmful. Hmm. And how so, did that feel to you? <laughs> Do I even need to ask? Yeah, that felt horrible. And my initial reaction, and, and this is what I'll say, um, I think that our initial reaction is to either go to shame or blame, mm. but then we all tend to jump back and forth between the two. So shame some people initially go to shame, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I maybe did something wrong. What's the matter with me? Some of us initially go to blame, which is where I tend to go. And where I did in a situation, like, <laughs> who does she think she is? She doesn't even know. She doesn't understand any of this and, and get sort of defensive and in my mind, you know, at least start attacking this other woman. Mm. Um, so I was, I do find, though, that even though the initial thoughts were attacking of her, then soon thereafter come thoughts of, wait a second, am I leading people away from the church? Am I doing something wrong? And are other people going to think this? And am I going to get shut down? And am I, you know, like all the questions, the shame, blame, shame, blame. It feels terrible. I'm sure everybody can relate. Yeah. Yeah. To that. And and I think a lot of us, I mean, I certainly in a case like that would maybe want to retreat. Maybe I'd <laughs> I'd sort of muddle through whatever presentation you were going to do, but then kind of like cool my jets for a little while and try to like let the sting ease, but never engage with that woman again and maybe just try to brush it off or, or kind of silence it all because that just seems really uncomfortable to have to sit with that. Yeah. And the truth is, again, not not a big deal at all that she wasn't willing to share my book or have me participate in her platform. That wasn't the painful part. It was the underlying thought that the very thing I was trying to do, which is improve people's lives, improve their family, improve, improve their relationships, mm -hmm. um, strengthen their spirituality, whatever that might be. She was accusing me of doing the very opposite. And that's what was really painful for me to the extent that I, I started thinking about, you know, because I have a podcast, I started thinking about episodes I should do about judging others and, you know, like these little subtle digs that in would be my way of, of getting defensive or getting back in, in, yeah. to, you know, to your point, sort of, um, driving us apart right? This, this person who feels the opposite that I do about the work that I do, I felt myself wanting to push back and be further away, more binary in our opinions. Yeah. Yeah. But you chose a different path. What, what prompted you to, to choose to not go that direction of defensiveness and trying to get back? Well, um, I let myself process the pain of it. Like I said, I'm, I'm on the way to the airport as this is all happening. And I was flying, I had just a, you know, maybe two hour flight to get to where I was going. But you know how that goes by the time you get through airports and get baggage, it's like a four to five hour journey. <laughs> so that gave me lots of time just on my own, in my own head with my own thoughts to process the pain, which is something I'm a big believer in is allowing yourself pain and just breathing and being with it and knowing that your brain is creating it with thoughts, but it's also okay that you are. And then to make a decision from a more rational place about who do I want to be in this situation. And that's one of the things I teach as a coach is like these, these little opportunities or big opportunities that come up in life are a great chance to become more of who you want to be. 
And so I decided I don't want to be mad and angry and bitter and get into a fight and, and play silly games. So what I did was, um, I recorded a voice message cause I felt like that was more personal than just typing up an email. And I recorded a message to this woman and said, Hey, I've never met you, but I know of you. I know, you know, of me. And I, I heard your story, you know, from my publisher. And I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry for whatever pain you're in or your family's in and any role that I might've played in that in your mind. And if you ever want to talk through it, I'd love to hear more about your story or at the very least just want to wish you well. And this is not an attempt, you know, to, to get you to, to promote my book by any means let's, let's just take that off the table. I just want to reach out and, and tell you that I'm thinking of you and, Hmm. you know, kind of sort of more or less apologize. So I sent that audio message through email and then, uh, and that was once I landed, you know, at my destination. And then the next morning I got up to go teach my group of entrepreneurs. And as we went around the room, there was about 20 ish or so in this group that I worked with for a full year, helping them build their businesses. A lot of them are coaches. Obviously I get a lot of coaches following me and we get to this one girl in the room and she introduces herself and I'll just call her Laura. And she tells me that she's struggling with deciding who she wants to coach, who she's going to build her coaching practice to, we call it a target market or a niche. And then she shares that she's, she, uh, everyone's telling her she should coach people who left the LDS church because she left the LDS church, but that she doesn't really want to coach on that. Mm. She doesn't want that to be her identity. And we talk through it and long story short, she ends up choosing something else. And then that evening, my assistant says to me, do you know who that girl is? She's the sister. No way. Of the woman. Yes. No way. That's what I said. (laughs) No way. What are you? What? What in the world? And I could not believe it. I was like on the floor with shock about the irony. I had never met either of these women before. The odds of it happening were so slim. And so I thought, wow, um, why is this happening? That's that was my first thought. Why did this happen? And this girl was lovely. Okay. That, and, and she was sweet. There was nothing about her that was bitter or angry. She had nothing negative to say about the church or her family or any of the rest of it. But I did get the opportunity the next day to sit by her at lunch. And of course I didn't want to say, just so you know, your sister, blah, blah. Like yeah. I, I decided not to even explain to her that any of that had happened, but I did say, tell me more about your story. And so I got to hear her talk about um, her experience in finding coaching and in leaving the church. And I said, do you think coaching led you away from the church? And she said, I don't know. I, I what she did have a lot to her story. She had um, a scrupulosity, which I don't know if everybody's familiar, but that is a form of OCD that um, where you have really intrusive thoughts dealing with religion that come from religious values, right? Where you have this compulsion to continually repent, for example, and you constantly feel that you're not good enough. So she had that. She had talked a little bit about some of her upbringing in a really strict environment and 
just some of the challenges figuring out who she is and she's got a young family and she talked about her family and how much she loves them and how some of them are really hurt. And then, um, she did disclose to me who her sister was and, and she said, I love all of them. And I don't, I love the church actually. I just right now, it, it's hard for me to feel good there. So <laughs> I will say in the end, I don't, I don't look at that story and think, see, I was right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not the the reason she left the church. I really don't. Did you end up getting a response from the sister to the, to the voicemail that you sent? I mean, deciding to engage rather than all of this was part of your decision to sort of lean into this. If you hadn't had that encounter with her sister about this and then also making the decision, it seems like it was kind of brave to go sit by the sister and sort of (laughs) dive into this. (laughs) Well, I I just, I just wanted to know more of the situation and, and not from a place of, I'm going to prove that I'm not doing anything wrong here. This isn't my fault, but I really challenged myself to open up to I want to be responsible about what I'm saying and what I'm teaching and what I'm doing. And if there is an area that I'm blind to, I want to open my eyes to it. If there's yeah. something I'm doing that doesn't align with the the mission that I have. And also I just want to connect with people. And so, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little part of me that was defensive and wanting to find maybe, <laughs> maybe this other girl's wrong there. There was a little bit of that, but I, I'm pretty good at like, again, I always go back to who do I want to be? I want to be loving and trusting and connecting and open. I want to embrace people where they are. I don't want to become defensive and bitter and angry. I just, I don't. So, so that was really what prompted me sitting by her. Um, the, the sister, yes, did reply to me, not until about three weeks later though. And it was just a quick email and it was very kind and nothing nothing again, like outright attacking or anything, just like, thanks so much. I just, you know, I just, I'm sure I know you help a lot of people. It's just not for me. It's not something I agree with. It's just not my thing. You know, it was very kind, but, um, I never have spoken to her. I never have met her in person. Um, I don't know if we will, but what, what, what came from it? Do you think what, what's the, I mean, why are you glad to have you know, sent that message to her and then also done the additional work of kind of staying open to the possibility of blind spots that you might have had and, mm-hmm. you know, not being afraid to kind of really like sit with that and try to learn mm-hmm. more. What, what what has that brought you? A couple of things. So it's not a story that I've told very often just because um, it, it's felt up until this point um, like a, a something that happened for me. I feel like that was an experience that happened for me. And I don't know why, but the meaning that I choose to give it is, first of all, I, like I said, had just launched my book. And so launching a book for me was um, exploring a a platform that I had never explored before, which hopefully would expose my work and myself, my organization to more people. So with more people comes again, more questions, more criticism. And part of me felt like I need to just be prepared that not everyone's going to understand this or that this isn't for everyone or that there might be these questions or concerns. And I appreciated the perspective that experience gave me that there's always more to the story. Hmm. 
right? If I had just met the girl I'm calling Laura in my class, I would have only gotten her side of the story. And if I had just had that interaction with her sister, I would have only gotten that side of the story. There's always, our stories are complicated and we all view them through our own lens. And so that's just a good thing to keep in mind, first of all. Um, Second of all, uh, meeting Laura and feeling of just her spirit and where her heart, like the pain in her heart that's led her to where she is and the the confusion and, and even indecision about what to do with her life and the love she has for her family, to me, um, was a spiritual confirmation that I need to keep helping people. And yet there is, I don't even think it's possible to help people without offending some people. Like, um, I don't know. I just felt like a prompting from the Lord that was like, you need to keep going and it's okay that not everyone gets it. Even people who are in the the arena, even people who are doing also good work, Mm. it's not going to be for everyone and that's okay. And then the, the final thing, Julie, that I'm taking from it is that again, I need to be thoughtful. And of course I've always known that, but I want to be thoughtful about where people are. And then where ultimately all of this led me was over the course of the next year, I started learning more about stages of faith and about what causes someone to question their belief system. And in, in, in faith can be re- a religious setting, but faith can even be just, you know, your ideas about the best foods to eat for your body. A, a faith is a system of beliefs that guides the way that you live your life. And for many people, especially with religion, there is a point at which the, what seemed like pretty simple answers become complicated. And that according to James Fowler, who's an expert in this, a third of the people will go through some kind of a unwinding of their faith and what many would call a faith crisis. And I was able to, over the last year or so, have learned so much about why is that the case? How does that affect people who they love, who are not going through that? How do we get to a peaceful place? And I love the idea of helping make our church a more inclusive place for people, regardless of what stage their faith is in. And and this whole experience has been the catalyst to me to really learning more about all of that and then being able to teach it to others. Yeah. I mean, it's added a new element to your coaching uh, expertise, Mm -hmm. it sounds like. It's changed changed how you coach or how you think about the, the implications of what you're sharing Mm-hmm. for people who may encounter a faith crisis like that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, you know, as I, I've even taught classes in my coaching program, specifically just on stages of faith, and I've been able to teach, you know, in my in my church community on it. And I am just always surprised at how many people come forward and say, that's me. I'm struggling. I think there's a lot of people and and I can only speak to the LDS faith that I'm familiar with, but I'm sure it's similar elsewhere that there are 
so many people questioning, but are afraid to say it. It doesn't, they haven't been able to find a safe place to talk through their questions. And and it feels like everyone has an agenda, right? Some groups are encouraging them to leave their religion and others are encouraging them to stay. And what they need is a neutral place. And that's what I get to do as a coach is provide a neutral place without an agenda. I don't know if you should stay or if you should go, but what I can do is help you make the decision that feels right to you and clear away all the noise. And and that's been a really powerful addition to the work I get to do. Jody Moore is a certified life coach. She's author of Better Than Happy. That's the book that she recently published. And her podcast is also called Better Than Happy. Jody, I am so honored that you would share this story with us today on Stick With It. Thank you so much for taking time. Thank you, Julie, for having me. It's been fun talking to you. And we would love to hear about a stick with it story in your life as well, top of mind listeners, a time when you encountered a perspective or a situation that challenged your way of seeing things, challenged even who you thought you were or what you stood for. And you found a way to stay curious in that rather than get defensive or shut down. How did that come about? What was the result of sticking with that discomfort? Email topofmind at byu.edu with your story. I'm Julie Rose. We'll talk soon.